So we say, throw them out into the dark where they'll be wailing and grinding of teeth, and you say, praise to you, O Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> so if you remember, this time of year, we always have what are called apocalyptic literature. So this is the end times. So the closer we get to the Feast of Christ the King, the Sunday after that's Advent, so we hear this apocalyptic literature, the end times literature. And there's two things that the end times literature prevent, or presents to us that I think are equally important. And usually we kind of summarize things at the end of the homily, but I think it's better to just throw it out at the beginning so that we see them clearly. And so it's all summed up in this gospel from Matthew today. And so the end times message is about, okay, the end will be coming when Christ will come back. But what do you do in the meantime? So it's the future thing, but it's the present thing. And you might remember there's that poem called The Dash. You may have read it before or found it in a funeral program. On your tombstone, there's your birth date and your death date, and what's in between is the dash. And that's really where you live your life, huh? And so that's kind of what these readings are about today. So we've got this great uh, parable that Jesus talks about, about the talents. Now, what the heck is a talent? Well, uh, it was really a monetary unit of measure. And to put it in perspective, you need to get online and Google this information or have a good scripture commentary to figure this out. But one of the interpretations of this is that the five talents, the one who got the most, was the equivalent of 86 years of wages. 86 years of wages. So it's extraordinarily lavish. I mean, you could even divide it down to be what the one talent was. Extraordinarily lavish. And so the idea is, of course, is that God, and we forget this a lot, and this is a good time here for us to remember this, although it's good anytime. God has been very lavish with every one of us. Wildly have we been blessed. Now, we don't think about that very often. Usually, we get into comparisons. Well, so-and-so's better at this than me, or they have a bigger operation, or they make more money, or we compare, 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 compare. And sometimes we use the comparison to let ourselves off the hook. You know, so, well, this guy's taller, so he's better at basketball. Or, and really, any, anybody who's been around the block long enough to know, um, you can have people who are very talented, but if they don't use what they have, they're worthless. So being in education for over 20 years, there are, a lot of times you have students who are, who are very, very gifted, but they're lazy. So they're slugs. Or you can have somebody who's got a great innate athletic ability, but they're impossible to coach because they know everything, so they really aren't worth much. So the idea of is, first of all, is that for us to reflect upon what God has done in giving the gifts that he's given each one of us a different mixture. And he doesn't want us to be anybody else. He just wants us to be ourselves. So don't be, oh, compare ourselves to others. But then the second part of that, part, the first part is the God's lavish gift. The second part is what do we do with what we've been given? And that really is where the rubber hits the road in this gospel today. What do we do with what we've been given? I think about that because when I went away to college as a music major, I think I probably thought I was pretty big stuff. And I went to a college where there was a small music department. It was extremely intense. And the, the professors were people who had studied in Indiana and, and at Juilliard. So they were extraordinary. And so I certainly wasn't at the top. I wasn't in the middle. I actually was probably closer to the bottom. And it was you have to work with what you have. 
And uh, because I was too proud to kind of face reality, I used to wait until later at night to go to the music room because we're supposed to practice like four hours a day. And I would wait until I would go and there was nobody else in the building so they didn't hear me practice, you know, pounding stuff out, you know. Well, it was during my time in college that I came home one time and, and I said to my mom, who started me to play the piano before I went to kindergarten, I said, Mom, I don't hear you play the piano very much around here anymore. And she didn't say anything. And so I said, did you hear? I just said, I, you just don't play piano much anymore. And she got really quiet and she said, I stopped playing when you got better than me. And I felt really bad. So we had to have a little conversation about that and she got back into playing the piano. But the point was, is that there's this comparison thing that goes on. Well, one of the things that I decided about halfway through my studies in music was, you know, you'd be at a gathering and there'd be wonderful vocalists or people who are just amazing at the keyboard or whatever their instrument was, and they'd say, well, play something or sing something. Oh, no, I can't do that, or no, I'm not that good. And I thought, you know, that's a lot of crap. So I made the decision that no matter who was around, I don't, I don't care if Van Cliburn was in the audience, if somebody asked me to play, I'd play. I'd give them what I had. It's how you use what you use. It's not about burying it. And, and that's why the last part of the, the guy who had one and buried it is so instructive for us. Because it's really true. Um, when we kind of put our gifts away, we say, well, I don't really have to use it because if I don't acknowledge it, I don't have to use it. It says, for everyone who has more will be given and he will grow rich. So the more you use what God has given you, there's payback. It doesn't just give glory to God. There's, there, there's payback. The more you do your best with what you've been given, God rewards that. That happens in life. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. If you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. It goes for everything. And so it becomes worthless what that investment was. God wants an investment. God's about, about investment. He's about ROI, the return on investment, huh? And then throw this useless servant into the darkness outside where they'll be wailing and grinding of teeth. Well, of course, you're not going to be happy if you're not living into the talents that God has given you. And so the word talent in the scriptural situation is a monetary thing. But we can use the word gift and gifts in a much more expansive way to reflect on that in our own lives. And so not only as we come closer to the civil holiday of, of Thanksgiving, but just in our lives in general, I think those two things are really important for us to look at all the time. Look at what God has done for you. I mean, frankly, all of us were able to get up this morning and our eyes are working and we're, we're here. That's a great gift that we had several people this week that didn't have. You remember last week's or gospel? For you know not the day nor the hour. We had a couple of very sudden deaths this week. You don't know the day or the hour, but it's not about being kind of superstitious and paranoid. But it's about giving God glory with what God has given to us. That's what it's about. So thinking about how lavish God's gifts are and what do I do with what I've been given? What do I do with what I've been given? It'd be great if God would sell to us well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you are faithful in small matters, 
that would give you great responsibilities. The most important line is, come share your master's joy. If you want God's joy in your life, easy, easy way to do that is remember what your gifts are and use them to the best of your ability. God gave the gifts. The response is up to us.